putting ourselves out there. It can be a raw experience, whether through courses or podcasts or social media or speaking live in front of an audience. You are using your physical voice to get your brand voice across. I hear it from my clients all the time. I hate the way I sound. You know, it takes some time for people to settle into hearing themselves. And it is definitely a skill to be an orator. Today, I've got an interview with an amazing woman who calls herself a vocal scientist. Professor Kelly is a vocal coach who specializes in the anatomy and science of the voice. As one of 11 Estill mentor and course instructors in the whole United States, she brings an elite level of expertise. Her students, they can be found on American Idol, meeting with the producers of The Voice, on YouTube, Spotify, in Disney shows. All of them are using science to propel their voice and artistry to the next level. And she even voices a character for the video game, League of Legends. Uh, That game has 67 million downloads. So, you know, that's some stage. But what I love most about her is the philosophy that she leads with. No matter what, bring you. We've all got a little something that makes us special. This is a super cool episode. Let's get to it. You're listening to The Long Game Podcast with Sandra Scaiano. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The Long Game is my approach to business. The actual day-in and day-out philosophy that you have to show up, you have to do the work, and there's no quick fixes for long-term success. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, and I'm here to share the process and lessons I experience with my clients daily who are going through the same struggles of building a business as you are. We'll hear from successful entrepreneurs sharing their long game strategies, and I'm fun, so we're going to have a little fun along the way too. Thanks for being here. Let's get to today's episode. So today we have a very special guest who is a vocal coach. Today I have Kelly Burge with us, the Professor Kelly, as she's known in the world of singing and speaking. Welcome, Kelly. I'm so glad you're here with us today. I am so excited to be with you. You know, Kelly and I get to talk sometimes. So, you know, she is full of stories and full of information. And on one of our calls, I just said to her, I was like, you got to come on because you know, we're all creating content here. We're, we're entrepreneurs and we're doing Facebook lives or Instagram lives and we're creating our courses and our podcasts. And I know one of the things I hear all the time from the clients I work with is I hate my voice. So uh, <laughs> I was like, Kelly has to come on and give us some tips. Let's start there. Like, you know, tell us, well, first let's start with, tell us a little bit about who you are, you know, your training, who you work with, and then we'll go into some things that we can do to love our voice a little bit more. I would love to do that. I am actually a vocal scientist and I teach voice from the standpoint of anatomy and physiology and acoustics. And that sounds really not very exciting, but it's super exciting. I, 30 years ago, I met a woman by the name of Joe Estel. And so since that time, my whole world has been turned upside down. I was a singer and a musician But I had been trained in opera and I could do like one thing (laughs) and that was opera. 
And, and I wanted to do so much more, you know, it was back in the day of Pat Benatar and I wanted to be Pat Benatar and, you know, do so much more. And so then I met Jo Estel. She turned my world upside down and really worked with me from the, the standpoint of understanding all the moving parts of your voice and your larynx and the acoustic results that they produce. Now, that doesn't sound all that exciting, but it really, my entire life did a huge 180. My kid's dad at the time uh, was a composer for the learning company. So he was writing music for games and Mm -hmm. software. And then um, software got a little bit and computers got faster. Software got better. And they started putting more and more music. So all these speaking characters had to suddenly sing in character. Mm-hmm. And so since I was the singing coach at home, he started calling me on the phone. And the next thing I knew, I'm in the studio trying to help these people because his boss saw how much money I was saving them in studio time just by saying, oh, lean back, tilt your head this way, move it this way. And they could do it. You knew the do. mechanics of, you know, that's it. You work with the mechanics of the body, the physiology and anatomy. Yeah. Love so. It. It was a lot of fun. So then I started listening to character voices, you know, like, okay, this character, this little mouse character speaks in these five notes and then um, analyzing what notes they speak in, where they should be singing and then coaching them in the studio. And then the next thing I knew, I had an agent and I was doing voiceover. And so, you know, that's how I landed doing a lot of voiceover for games. So I'm Nidalee in League of Legends. So if you play that, there's like 67 million of you out there. (laughs) And that was not at all on my radar. I was just going to say. Who says I'm going to voice a game? (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, one thing led to another, led to another. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So then I started teaching all of this at the college level, started teaching students. It was singing and speaking. And so, you know, a bunch of my singing students landed jobs like with Disney and Universal. And they were meeting with the producers of The Voice and American Idol and all because of science. So it's it's some pretty powerful (laughs) stuff. That's awesome. And I love like also your openness to just say, take, let this take me where it's going to go, right? It's not just, oh, I don't know how to do that. Or I'm not like, let it take me. I mean, that's really, we, we can't always plan where we're going to end up in our careers and with the work that we do. So I love that you're open to all these, these new ideas and these new ways. And it gave you longevity in what you're doing. So, and a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, it's been exciting. You know, one, I'm full of stories because I really love what I get to do. So that's half the fun of it. But most of us, when it comes to podcasting and speaking, don't like the sound of our voice. Right. Totally. I hear it all the time from my clients when it's their first time recording something, their course, or I ask them to go live. And besides being nervous about the camera, let's say, they're like, I hate the way I sound. And that's really common. And in fact, it's universal because our <laughs> voice sounds different going through a microphone than it does mm-hmm. inside our head. It's just something we call bone conduction. So your skull conducts sound through your head to your inner ear. And so every time you hear yourself speak, there's this extra speaker inside your head adding Mm -hmm. a different sound to your tone. So when you hear yourself recorded, it's different. It's foreign. It's like, wait a minute, I should know that voice, but it's not me. 
And so if you have that reaction, welcome to the human race. It's just, right, right. it's universal. But there are things we can do to make it more pleasant. Mm-hmm. You can get used to listening to yourself. That's a big thing. I was going to ask that, right? Like, do you recommend that people just go out and record? Like you've got to, you know, we have a saying of like, you've got to make a hundred videos and then, you know, to kind of get over it. And so is that one of the the pieces is just doing it, right? Oh, absolutely. Just do it and get used to listening to it. It was strange the first time that I, when I started doing commercials, you know, I'd be driving around town and I'd hear something on the radio that was me and it would take me a minute to go, oh, wait, that's me. You know, (laughs) because we don't necessarily recognize ourselves because of that extra sound that bone conduction adds to your sound, but it doesn't mean you're not effective. And Mm -hmm. that's where, you know, there are certain principles of effectiveness that need to be there for us to communicate. And so it's interesting, some things where we think, no, that's not going to work. Another person will listen to it and say, wow, you have a voice of velvet or something else, you know, or it was so energetic. I love your voice. You bring so much to it. And it's like, really? You know, so if you fall into that category, you're just absolutely normal. Best thing you can do is keep doing it. But then there's some some principles of acoustics and science that you kind of need to be aware of. And if we can work within those limitations and understand them, you'll actually be a lot more effective. So, so give us a couple. Like, is it couple. does it have to do with our equipment or is it really all sitting up straight and projecting? Well, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend sitting up straight and unless that's how you feel most energized and most mm-hmm. yourself, you really want to get into a spot. I mean, sitting up straight is fine if that helps you, but that's not going to do the work for you. What the human brain really craves is variety when it comes to tone. Mm-hmm. And so most of us, we get, we are such a visual society. Sometimes we forget that our voice really carries a huge amount of emphasis. Albert Morabian in the 1960s did this experiment where he had people speak one word and then they rated their reaction to that word and came up with a formula called the Morabian principle, which says that only 7% of your communication is actually your content. So interesting. Isn't that weird? So it's not saying that content doesn't matter. Because you right. better have some good content, right? right. right. You've got to always have it to back up, right? You've got to have something to say if you're going to say it. And then 55% of the communication was something that was visual. So facial gestures or body language. Well, if you're a podcaster, you're not getting 58% of your communication. That's really important to know. And then 38% is tone of voice. So I don't know. I wish Albert Moravian would have done a study on podcast, you know, without the visual. (laughs) But we do know it would be easy to assume that when it comes to podcasting, our communication, the tone of your voice is incredibly important. How you speak. Totally. And we all pick up on that naturally, right? Like we all can say that person's reading. Or, you know, you know the difference when someone is inflecting in their voice and putting emphasis on words versus just reading a script. And I think that's really one of the, the ways we can tune into that. Yeah, because sound is, is 
interconnected with our autonomic nervous system. That's why we have fire alarms, right? You don't have an alarm, you know, that is a visual cue with with a little note that says, please exit the building on it. You know, (laughs) Um, there's an alarm that goes off because we respond with our nervous system to sounds. And that's why, you know, a mother will not just only touch her child, but talk, right? Soothing voices. So the sound of a voice can either put somebody in a state of alarm or create a sense of trust or friendliness, right? So it's really crucial that we remember, oh, yeah, I'm painting a picture with my tone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just think if if I was talking to you in this kind of a voice, you know, Sandra, we're having a great day today. I'm really, really excited about this. Let's get going. You know, it sounds like I'm maybe a used car salesman. You're sort of a little bit on the alert with that. Right, right. You know, and that's one of the frequencies that if we increase it as a speaker, it creates agitation in the listener. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So let me ask you then. So let's, it, it's really then you're saying is an awareness. If you have, let's just say an abrasive voice. Okay. I'll just mm-hmm. call it that. Can you work to slow yourself down, calm yourself down? Like if your natural is, can you work on that? Absolutely. Soften your audience with what you're saying. (laughs) Right. Because we train as singers to actually use that. You know, that's how Mm -hmm. we make some really, really cool Kelly Clarkson kind of sounds and uh, other artists as well. So those are all muscles. The voice has over 200 moving parts or more. It's really, and we have infinite variety. Just in this area? Wow. Just in that area. So, wow. Isn't it crazy from, in the from your larynx? Area, I was like, yeah, wow. From your larynx all the way up to the end of your nose and your lips, right? So the, the vocal tract. And so, and we can let the air, we can let the air come through the nose and be a little bit nasalized. Or we can add some really bright twang, or we can spread that same muscle out. We can lower the larynx and we can also lower our pitch. This is the Oprah zone. So there's so many things mm-hmm. we can do to create different timbres, different textures. And it doesn't have to turn into character voices. Although for me, it led to a lot of different character voices, which is fun. You know, I started with inanimate objects, marbles and (laughs) unusual things that would sing. And then that led to doing all sorts of other voices. When it comes to just speaking, like you and I sitting here hanging out, Mm -hmm. we just need to become aware of the need for variety and clarity, and really communicating your message in a way that is authentic to you. So I can put on a fake voice, right? I can be like, Sandra, I am here to speak with you today. And everybody would know it's put on. Right. right. So it's learning to work with what you have, and who you are, and your authentic message. And then- Most of us, if it's an abrasive sound, it's typically only one or two little muscular structures that need an adjustment. It's not like we have to do a massive overhaul. Right, right. Awesome. And you know what I hear when you say that? I also hear when you're speaking in that example, the use of cadence and pause. Like there's an effect that comes with how you're breaking your words and your sentences apart as well, rather than just running through them all at a high clip. So I think there's the mastery of that cadence 
in your speech, helps to get your point across, helps to put emotion through, all of that. That cadence, yeah. It's in the voiceover class that I was teaching at the college, we talk about it as headlines. So if you look at a page of script and there is no headlines, there's nothing underlined, you know, it looks like a big textbook. It's so daunting, you're not even going to start reading it. We're put off by it. But often that's what we do with people when we start speaking. We just start rattling off all the facts about our topic of interest and we just keep going and going and going and we get kind of stuck in this monotone sort of voice and we talk 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 and and people don't know what to listen to. Mm -hmm. So in essence, you really need to slow down every once in a while when it comes to your headlines, you know, so a headline is an important phrase. In commercial business, it's the name of the company. It's saying, here we are with Sandra, and we are going to do an amazing podcast talking about how we can be entrepreneurs for the long game. You know, that's that's like a, a headline. Mm-hmm. And then you and I can sit back and talk because it's all about the long game. You know, like that's where you give your listener hooks to hang on to. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what to pay attention to. And it doesn't mean that we can't say things like, um, or pause, Uh because all of that is human. I think if you start getting paranoid about having to speak in complete sentences, every single sentence without an um, or an and, or any of that, you're really not going to sound, (laughs) you're not going to sound human, you know, and then you get scared. And then we have that whole thing where when you're scared, the autonomic nervous system takes over and your prefrontal cortex isn't working. Basically, your brain shuts down. And so you just like, you got to stay out of the fear zone. If there's an um in there, there's an um in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's the big deal? I think some of that comes from too, like knowing your script. You want to have whether it's written out or bullet pointed, whatever works for you. But the more familiar you are with your material, the bullet points are just to make sure you, in the excitement of the the talk, the recording, you don't forget. But it's to prompt you to then speak freely and flowingly about what your topic is. So that's why I don't mind the ums. I don't mind all of that because that means... I'm really getting the information across the way that I know it. If I'm if I don't have those you knows in there, I'm reading something. You know? Exactly. Because <laughs> like I don't write you know. <laughs> but that's how you think. That's how you talk. That's who you are. It's authentic. It's okay. Um, so, and I just had an um. It's it's how we think. <laughs> it's our pauses, and so mm-hmm. let those things be in there. Don't panic about them. When I was doing voiceover for commercials. There's a prompt, right? So you're reading off of a TV screen Mm -hmm. in a studio and it feels very sterile and it is because it's it's a soundproof room and you're reading some script that you may not have seen. Sometimes I will have seen it before I came in, the entire script, which is great. So if you saw me riding the train in San Francisco, you know, on BART, I would be talking to myself and um, (laughs) reading some script, you know, and trying to get into the character or what the content of that commercial was about. But when it would come up on the screen, sometimes doing games, they'll say, yeah, there's 400 lines. I'm like, okay, that's a lot of lines. I'm not going to memorize all of them. But basically I would, I would read it off the screen 
and kind of say it in my head a few times, come up with, how do I feel about this? Mm -hmm. Because that's what really communicates human emotion. And you have to make a decision. How do you feel about what you're saying? Are you happy about it? Are you really serious about this moment? Is it frightful? Is it a moment of surprise? You know, like think through basic human emotions. How do you feel? And let your feelings about that text come across. That way your listener knows, hmm, do I feel the same way? I think I do. Or maybe I don't. But it gives people a cue, something to listen to. I also want to mention the going back to what we talked about with the the test that the, what's his name that he did? Oh, Albert Morabian. Yes, Morabian. There you go. Is the, even if you're doing audio, you know, I find when I record my podcast that my arms are moving. I'm, you know, I am moving. I'm smiling. You know, I always say that like, that's still that energy comes through. It's something, you know, I used to laugh like, I'm smiling while I'm writing this email. And that would be like the other person could sense that at some point. I'm putting it out to the universe. And so when I'm recording, I find I still am animated, even though I'm sitting alone in my area recording at my desk. My arms are still moving. I'm talking through what I want to get across. So I think it goes back to Morabian's research that you can still feel that even though, you know, that helps me be less stiff and helps me loosen up by moving my arms and my body and all of that. Completely. And there's a reason why in the studio they have these big mics that have a crane. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of room. You can gesture like crazy. It blew my mind the first time I sat in on a voiceover that, you know, because I didn't do it. I was just watching it. I'm watching these people animate these characters and bring them to life with nothing but the sound of their voice. And it blew me away because nobody's going to see what they're doing. They they weren't filming them. The characters were already drawn for for this. You know, sometimes, you know, it goes one way or another, but for computer games back then, they had already designed the computer. And so the characters just had to voice something. And these people that were doing the acting, their arms are flailing through the air. Mm -hmm. If they were like shoving, you know, pretending that they were pushing a boulder up a hill, they literally would be like moving this boulder up the hill. Have you got it? I think we do. Yes. Okay. And there was all sorts of movement because the voice responds to that. Mm -hmm. Our voice doesn't just float in our little heads above our bodies. You know, we've, I know after COVID, you know, we've all been in quarantine. We feel like these little floating heads on a screen, but it's connected (laughs) to the rest of us. So you can, the more animated you can get with your body, the more Mm -hmm. animated you can get with your face, the better off that read is going to be. And it will be authentic to you. You have your own set of inflection. Let that come through. And your audience will know the difference. Like we Mm -hmm. know when somebody's faking it. Right, right. You know? And I think that's that comfortability, you know, then the the more comfortable you are, the more you do it, or just kind of letting go of that critical voice of what your voice sounds like, you know, mm-hmm. moving away from that piece of being critical of yourself and uh, just letting it go. Completely. That was a big piece for me to just say, all right, I'm doing this podcast. I can do this. I can physically make this happen in terms of recording. And it was good for me. I like to speak but I did have to put those things aside of what I sound like, this and that. And people say like, oh, I love your raspy, blah, blah, blah. Like that comes with time that people 
compliment you on it. But it took me a little bit too to have to, you, you just have to get over it, right? You have to just get over that hump. And really get over it. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I would, I would recommend you can kind of get over it in advance. Take a couple minutes before you do a podcast to really connect with the emotion of the script. If you can laugh with the person that you're interviewing beforehand, you know, just mm-hmm. a couple minutes of going, hey, how are you doing? Well, you wouldn't believe what happened today. And just kind of get your energy up so that that can come across in the podcast. It can help you plow through the initial awkward fear that often happens with an early podcaster for the first few minutes of that script. So that's good. Don't be afraid to laugh. Or if it's a really serious script, take a minute to really digest. Today, we're talking about very serious issues. You know, get into that that mode of emotion Mm -hmm. because it's human emotion that connects. If all we wanted was content, we would grab a book or a magazine or a piece of paper and read it. We really want to hear it through the voice of someone else. We want to hear their experience, that human side. And that's what your voice brings to your content. It brings the human connection. That's great. I think though, like now I'm at this comfortable level. I'm just using myself as the example. But if I had to go stand up on a stage and do a talk or do a podcast episode live on a stage, like that would be a different scenario because the, you know, we've upped the ante a little bit. And I know you work with speakers. You know, what are some things that you work with on the voice? Like, is it different or is it really the same? Just get comfortable. Or are there different pieces that you do for getting up on stage and preparing? Because for me, it's like, okay, that's how do I overcome that nervous feeling? which I don't have right now. You know, I'm comfortable doing this. I don't have that nervous feeling. But if I'm up on a stage, I have that nervous feeling. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a difference between me doing a podcast sitting in my living room. And, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then the moment you step on a stage in Hollywood and there's three people out there with clipboards grading okay. what you're doing. You know what I mean? And, and totally. there's cameras. And <gasps> so preparing somebody for that, that's really, that's kind of like an athlete preparing for the Olympics. You know, I mean, they're really, it's, it's a brain preparation and really working through, do you have any trauma issues? Do you have any, what, what are the voices inside your head telling you? And, Mm. and there's breathing deep. Oh yeah. Well, for, if it's for some issue, wow. Yeah. Well, if it's for something like, you know, an inner, you know, a live national competition, absolutely. Millions of viewers. Yeah. So it's a little bit of therapy. Wow. I do work with a, you know, a performance coach uh, who is a, a therapist and she's fabulous with kind of what, working people through their own issues. Mm-hmm. And then I will do like breathing exercises, things that you can do to calm the nervous system down and really get a sense of focus. And we kind of rehearse with the brain, everything about that room. What's it going to smell like? What's it going to feel like? What's the temperature going to be? What are the sounds in the room going to be like? So that when you step into it, it feels familiar, like your living room. Mm -hmm. So we want to make, you know, there's some preparation that you can do to make your environment feel familiar and safe, even when it's an utterly new level of competition or a level of performance. So that's a whole, it's, there's a lot of preparation that goes into something like that. Yeah, because I mean, you even, you know, 
it's the next step for a lot of people to start speaking. And we have taken a step back this past year with maybe just speaking on Zoom, which you're in your home, so you're a little more comfortable. Even though you're still, there might be 50 people on the screen. You know, it's that environment that creates that energy of the stage and the people in the theater or all of that. I'm, you know, I, I have some friends who've this year done TED Talks and things like that. And I'm like, wow, you know, I mean, these in COVID, it was filmed versus performed in front of an audience. But I think, wow, like the preparation, you know, that's a goal of a lot of people is to take what their knowledge is and get it up on stage on a TED Talk stage. That's a, that's a big next step in presenting yourself. Absolutely. I brought in a TED Talk producer to my voiceover class uh, to talk about how much work it was to prepare for that. And um, she's one of the top in the world, which was, I was so grateful to have her presence and blew me away how much time went into those 12 to 15 minutes, how much preparation, how much focus. And the voice is part of that. You know, it's not just body language. Um, But at the core of that, you want to go one level deeper, you know, why do you want to bring this message to the world? And if you can recognize the beauty of that as your gift to the planet, you know, like I want to bring this to the world because I actually have something to give. I have something to say. And I think it's going to make a difference for your life. Mm -hmm. That's a totally different perspective. So then it's not just about me. What am I doing? How am I performing? Look at me, look at me. It's, Mm -hmm. It's This is what I have to give to you. And it's really an act of generosity to kind right. of get over yourself. Like to say, right. this and you moment. just switch the tables, right? It's a motivation, a different type of motivation right. coming from a different place. Wow. And I, I started to realize, you know, for me, especially in a lot of the different settings that I had to sing or speak in or perform in, that if I got so nervous that it all became about me, I was really being phenomenally selfish. Mm hmm. Because I wasn't delivering the message or the comfort or the hope or the happiness or the joy or whatever it was that I I was asked by the universe, so to speak, to give in that moment. And so it's, it's a really different focus. Your biggest act of generosity is to deliver your message in a way that can reach somebody else. That's a wonderful takeaway. It's not about you. Yeah. Right. It can be in anything too. So it could be in your online course. It could be on stage. Like that's a great takeaway for moving past your fear and moving through it. Actually, it's moving through it. And to give somebody the gift of what sparks joy in you, you know, like, Mm -hmm. okay, so maybe I'm really into knitting. And so I'm going to do a a podcast about knitting and we're going to talk about things how wonderful would that be then to give that joy to somebody else who needs to feel great about knitting mm-hmm. or whatever it is or singing or that one moment that can make all the difference in how somebody feels and how their life goes. We all have our favorite songs where you go, ooh, mm-hmm. I got through that time in my life <laughs> with the groove of that song, you know, like you hear it and you go, ooh, I'm back in... 1994. Yeah, totally. That song brought me through. Well, somebody took the time to give that gift Mm -hmm. or that podcast got me through. You know, those podcasts Mm -hmm. that you end up playing like 
two or three times over because it was so meaningful? Well, it's an interesting point that you're saying too, because everything has its audience, right? Everything finds its own audience. So when you talk about those songs, I think about my own, okay, I listened to this, but not everybody listened to that. You know, it speaks to, it spoke to me, but it didn't speak to everyone else because there were people who liked some other band or, you know, so it really is about putting your message out there in whatever way that you do that so that you can emotionally connect with your audience. And it's, it's everything we always talk about. You've got to take the step. You've got to start to put your message out there so that people can respond and start to follow. Exactly. And, you know, we are, I would say most people who go into podcasting are entrepreneurs, right? And we have that like driven type A personality and we're prone to a little bit of perfectionism. Just say it. <laughs> and I'm one of them as well. Mm-hmm. And totally. especially when I first started recording myself in the studio, the first time I heard myself back, it was like, ah, you know, same reaction. Oh my gosh. I was like going to quit entirely. And it really took me a lot to get over that, you know, and then you finally create a product and some people respond to it and some people don't. And that's the way it's going to be for every single message and every single song. And so you can either look at the people that say, oh, I don't like it. It's not really my kind of music or I don't like, you know, I wasn't into that podcast. And it's like, well, then it's not for you. But for those people that it resonates with, that's where you you need to keep your focus. Right. And to just embrace that and let go of the perfectionism. You know, once again, perfectionism can be profoundly selfish because it keeps us mm-hmm. from giving that little spark, you know, just mm-hmm. that tiny little moment that somebody needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of the voice work, you know, the first couple stuff is I've been asked by, at times, are, you know, are you are you going into psychotherapy? You know, are you a psychotherapist? Because you're talking about, you know, getting over yourself and getting over your fear and all these things. But often those are the obstacles that stand in the way of our voice. It's so interesting because I hear it from several different people who've been guests on this podcast. Like there's a therapy thread that goes through whenever you're working with anyone else, right? Because whenever we come into a relationship, a working relationship, whether it's a stylist or a vocal coach, like you bring your baggage with you, right? So whoever's helping you to be your best in whatever area has got to kind of chip away at some of the pieces that you're bringing as obstacles. I mean, I I deal with it in marketing as well. And in digital marketing, you know, people are scared of tech or they're, you know, they have all kinds of hangups about putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. So we all kind of have this um, therapist role that we play to a certain extent, just to help people get to the other side, the transformation. Right. And it's about just self-awareness and growth. Mm-hmm. And the more we can grow as individuals, the better off all of this will be. Um, With our voice, it's kind of like learning tech. You know, that initial phase with technology where it's that love-hate relationship and 
initially it starts <laughs> off as a hate relationship, you know, where right. you're just trying to figure out this gear Nothing and works for me <laughs> and you're trying to plug it in. And then the next thing, you know, it's, it's a tool that you can use. And so the same thing with the voice, understanding movement of the larynx, connection of the vocal folds, things that you can do to clean up the tone that you have when you need that really clean sound, the medical read, you know, things like that. They, they are tools. Those are just physical movements. And at first it may seem a little awkward to try these things out. And then the next thing you know, it's just a tool that's in your toolkit, something that you use. So when I first started working with students at the college, um, I would begin to tell them the first semester, you're not going to like this. (laughs) You have to learn all the names because it was science for the first semester. So I said, so just give me, in fact, give me eight weeks before you make a decision on this course. Because you're you're not going to like it for a while. It's it's a steep climb. You're learning names and parts of things. You know what's the palatal glosses? What is the you know mm-hmm. middle pharyngeal right. constrictor muscle? My eyes just went really wide. Everyone false vocal folds <laughs> and how do you know formants of vowels and harmonics work and all of that and what's interharmonic noise things like that. So they're, they're tools and it's a little bit of an upward you know slope when we first start learning vocal science. But as soon as you get through those eight to ten weeks. It was so much fun. And so from then on out, and I'm like, I kept telling them by second semester, you're going to love this class. Just you will. You're going to love it. And they do. I'm like, okay, so second semester, I want you to write down everything that you want to do with your voice. So do you want to do a voiceover? Do you want to read a, an audiobook? Do you want to, mm-hmm. do you want to riff like Christina Aguilera? Do you want to do opera? Do you want to, you know, what, what is your big goal? And just to write down those goals and to say, by second semester, you're going to have the tools to do whatever those goals are. Wow, that's cool. And it's it's a lot of fun um, because it helps people. We start with their goals. You know, what, what are your goals and it's how everything. do you want to communicate? And then here are the tools to help you get there. So it's like learning technology. Here's some great tools. You have to have somebody kind of show you your way around if okay. you're like a normal person. You know, right. like, I, right. you I'm need not, your guide. You need your you guide. Need, you need your guide. And same thing with the voice. I, yeah, this was not mm-hmm. anything on my radar. You know, I started college as a classical pianist and a composer, and then I fell in love with singing. So I started taking voice lessons. And it wasn't until after college when I met Joe Estel that I learned, oh my goodness, my voice can do so much more that I, I had no idea it was possible. That's cool. Yeah. And that was just, it was the start of a lifelong journey. Right. So those of you with podcasts, connect to your message, connect to the emotion, and don't be afraid to give that gift to the world. We need it. Thank you so much, Kelly. The Professor Kelly. Thank you for being here. And we're going to have links to where to find Kelly in the show notes. And you guys can reach out at any point and connect with her if you're on your next step of your speaking or vocal journey. Kelly, thank you so much. Thank you. And it's so much fun. Every voice deserves to be heard. And so I want you, that's your takeaway. Your voice, your message deserves to be heard. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more info in the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. 
If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on iTunes and leave me a review. Until next time, keep playing the long game.